Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. Philosophy behind this podcast, of course, is that in business, it's all about making a positive impact every day. And one of the key areas that we as marketers make that positive impact as part of our marketing mix, of course, is email marketing. That is still a fundamental, strategic part of the marketing mix, the volume is staggering. Uh, was looking at some estimates in terms of volume of emails sent and received. Three hundred and fifty billion estimated uh, in the year. Uh, nearly half of those emails, in some estimates, are considered spam. So there's volume, and then there's this mix of quality. And so the question is, how do we effectively cut through the clutter and get stronger return on investment from our email marketing. We're going to talk with a true expert in the area of email marketing today. Scott Cohen is the VP of Marketing at Inbox Army. That's a full-service email marketing agency. He's been living and breathing email marketing for more than 15 years and working on both the agency and the client side, the end user experience. How do we create a compelling and effective email marketing experience. And I'm excited to really bring out Scott's unique perspective and to help us break through and create competitive advantage through email marketing. Scott, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So want to really start out in just kind of looking at this journey that you've been on this email marketing journey that you've been on, what originally drove your passion, your interest to really focus on this area of, of marketing? You know, I started life as a copywriter. I was, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm old enough to still remember the days when, you know, you would write, I mean, all those local TV ads, radio ads that you hear even now, I, I was writing those in my, in my youth, let's put it my, my work <laughs> youth. And, um, yeah, it's, it was one of those, I was working at Western governors university, copywriter, writing everything, writing newsletters, you know, brochures, website, copy, everything you can think of. And one day my boss came to me and he said, you know, you're writing these newsletters. Why don't you just do it? And, you know, it's, if you talk to any email marketer, nobody goes to school for what we do. You might get you know, a little bit of a section of a digital marketing class if you're lucky. Um, but it, it, what drew me to it was I'd been writing ad copy and marketing copy for years and never really got a full taste of effectiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So you get to email, it's all tracked. You can actually see the results of what you're doing. And so that's what drew me in initially. And then the industry itself, the email and marketing industry is full of some of the nicest people you will ever meet in your entire life. Like It's one of the, you know, I go to industry shows 
And, you know, you'll have the email show for a couple of days and then they'll do like a search show the next day. And they say, mm-hmm. you guys, are because you're competitors and yet you share info all the time. And it, it's like this little club almost, but it's one of the most welcoming clubs ever. So it appealed to me from, a, you know, that combination of art and science, but then also just the people, you know, it, it's like once you're here, you stick around and it it's just awesome. Wow. It's this true community is what you're talking about of really intelligent people and the transparency and the shared learning, you know, back to just the, the data tracking capabilities. It just makes for invigorating conversation, right. And continuous learning. And, you know, arguments, right. It can get entertaining when when you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. And it's like, no, you can. And we have data to prove it. And that's, that's the exciting part, right. Is there's just so many ways that you can achieve success with it. I mean, you, you mentioned it in your intro, you know, people go, why does spam still exist? And I go, well, unfortunately it works. Otherwise it wouldn't stick around, right? Any marketing channel that makes money, it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna have the bad actors. It's gonna have that piece. And, you know, it's up to us email marketers to try to tamp that down and do things right. Yeah. Someone's responding to those emails that I'm moving over into my particular trash file and it's all, it's in the eyes of the beholder, right? It's everyone's personal experience and perspective, which is different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're in some really dynamic high change times, obviously, and a lot of evolution that's going on in terms of marketing tactics. What are some of the challenges that you're seeing, Scott, that's maybe making that effective email marketing? Maybe it's a little bit harder than it was, say, even 10 or 15 years ago when you got into this uh, line of work. Yeah, we are a far cry away from the wild west of email that it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And when I, when I first came on, you really were in this, you know, pushing toward email marketing, pushing privacy and deliverability and all these pieces. And now all the platforms are really dictating that, you know, we've got Google and Yahoo changing their, you know, effective February 24, right. Of, you know, their, their new uh, standards for authentication to make sure that if you're sending someone an email, they know it's actually coming from you. Um, And, you know, these limits on spam complaint rates and how much harder it's going to be to get into the inbox versus the spam folder. Um, that's much different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Privacy in general is in a much better, much different, and you could argue better place. Um, but that just makes it harder, right? All the other channels have been dealing with, you know, was iOS 14 when Facebook took a huge hit iOS 15 with mail privacy protection for email, you know, and iOS 17 where they're starting to block certain types of UTM tracking that affects, you know, email and, and third-party platforms and things of that sort. So it, it, it's a weird juxtaposition we're in where we're challenged and expected to be more personal, but the data that powers that personalization is getting increasingly harder to get. So that's those are the sort of the big rocks, right, of, of what mm-hmm. we're dealing with. Particularly, I, and I I say that from an email marketer because I've always viewed email marketers as the stewards of the data, right? Because we're not an acquisition channel necessarily. We really we really are that nurture channel, that retention channel, where the data makes 
all the all the difference in in how you get people to stay engaged once they hopefully buy from you and you know the other big piece is that you know cold email right is just not that effective anymore you could you know 15 years ago you could buy a list and print money and it's just not the case anymore no. because of those privacy considerations those uh stricter guidelines on deliverability those things so it's just it all marketers are feeling the 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 crunch, but you know, in terms of email, that's what we're up against. Is it fair to say that, given all of what you were just talking about, that this is really about being having to be more strategic, um, a little more surgical in terms of how you approach it, as opposed to maybe the past where you could there's a little more freedom uh, or or bandwidth to just try a lot of different things, just throw it out there, see what sticks. But now we have to get a little more precise and intentional and, and a little more strategic. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's a, it's a process thinking as well, right. Of testing, you know, you email is great because you can test, you can test quickly, you can test across time. And that's always been true, but it's necessary now to test and it, you know, it's it's not so much just throwing macaroni at the fridge and hoping it sticks, but it's more of you know the strategic lens of what are we testing for, what what are our hypotheses, and really being scientific with it, right? Not just testing to tell your bosses that you're testing, which I've done that. You know, it, it happens. Like, hey, are you testing? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, I'm testing. <laughs> um, but you know, being intentional about that, it, it's it's just so much more important now because you can't I there's always going to be value in like I said spam works unfortunately right but there's always going to be value in, in being there but the expectations keep getting they, they keep moving the goalposts on expectations so we have to adapt yeah adapt or perish right that's something a phrase yep. we've had for quite a while and it's absolutely true and it's actually the application of the learning so when you were, it really resonated with me as a marketer myself. I've seen a lot where the optics, there's a lot of internal optics that are positive to say, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're checking the box of testing, but testing without any sort of application uh, or interpretation or learning, right, that isn't really getting you anywhere. I mean, it's just a, it's just an act, a, an action that's not really leading to anything. So, you know, you're, you're spot on there, and. I know that there's a lot of um, opinions, passionate opinions around email marketing. What are some of the common misperceptions that you still see around what you do? That it's easy. Uh, that's that's still a a big misconception. Oh well, you know, you just and there are some pieces of it that are easy, right? If it's in terms of how the platforms have built out and made it easier to do things. But the strategic thinking is not is not easy, right? It takes reps, right. it takes testing, it takes time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the I, I would say, you know, it, the number of times I've heard in my career, oh come on, it's just an email, you know that that really plays into that. And so I though that that's the big one. I, I think that I come across, although I I don't hear it as much now because COVID really put email back on the front burner um, when you couldn't draw people into stores and you know the price of 
I mean, obviously all costs are going up across all channels, but COVID really kind of put email back on the map. Um, but I still consider email, I, I like to call it the offensive lineman of marketing channels, right? The It paves the way for everything else to work and you don't really talk about it unless something goes wrong. Right. It, is often what happens, right? It, 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 I, I love that analogy because I go, I, the, the best compliment for an offensive lineman in football is that the announcer never calls their name. That's right. right? <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in a broadcast. So in that, that's how I feel about email. And I think people, it's not as true now as, like I said, maybe five years ago because COVID brought it back. But I, I still think people go, oh, nobody likes email. I don't like email. But it works. It's cost effective. It's it, it it paves the way. It really establishes that customer experience, and it's certainly and I kind of feel the same way about SMS. Like I hate personally hate SMS, but it works. It works really well. So it you have to remove that focus group of one from everything that you do. Yeah, and as you're talking, something else that came to mind and. Let me pressure test this, which is looking at email marketing as something that is greater than just a transactional type of experience into something that can be a fundamental part of a relationship building experience. Do you have a point of view on that? I do. Yeah. So there's... Obviously, it would depend on the type of business you run, right? I mean, if you're if you're a very transactional business, you know, if you're in e-commerce and you're trying to sell widgets, emails are going to be about widgets. But when you have products or services that have a long consideration period before an initial purchase, you have a long, um, you know, it's a and it's a, it's an expensive purchase. Even um, you know all these factors can come into play. Maybe there's a big learning curve for how to use the product or service. Are you going to rely? I mean, I, email is part of the toolkit, right? Of okay, here's how to use it. Here's you know, I call it a paper. You know, it's a digital paper trail as well of. Where did I keep this stuff? Where's all the information? Will I be able to find it on site or will I find it in my email? And there's just, you you have more room, right? You're, you can't rely on, you know, an ad and paid social to deliver all the information that an email can deliver. SMS, you could write a novel. You could. It'll cost you an arm and a leg to send out a novel. But Email is uniquely positioned along with the website, like they go hand in hand, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's uniquely positioned to deliver value wherever it makes sense to deliver that value. Yeah, and it makes sense, uh, most definitely. And there's a lot of chatter going on, Scott, around traditional direct mail. Like many mm -hmm. of us, we thought, oh, that's a dinosaur. Uh, no one, no one is opening packages and, and traditional direct mail. We've got to reach them digitally, but I'm hearing that this is uh, making a comeback. What's that all about? What's your take? It's definitely back. Uh, <laughs> that That's one of the, it, I, I feel like when email came on board, the mailbox, the, the physical mailbox is what the email inbox is now, right? I mean, you still have 
obviously a bunch of value in, in being in the inbox. There's branding there. It's certainly cheaper than sending, you know, direct mail. But direct mail has a place, right? People are now excited to get mail again, which is crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, like you said, it's a dinosaur. There's no way. But I, I've run these, right? I, I, you know, when I was brand side, we ran tests on, you know, it was for to drive repeat purchases and, and do that sort of thing. But also, we did acquisition as well. Now, fortunately, our price point was big enough that we didn't need many purchases to pay for it. So that I think that's a consideration of if you're selling a $5 product, direct mail at scale may not work for you. But if you're selling a very you know expensive product, direct mail can work. Um, but yeah, it worked really, really well. Um, and it, again, you're not operating in the vacuum of direct mail is by itself and email is by itself. They work together. So having that cross-channel, omni-channel, yeah. multi-channel, whatever sort of view you want to have. You need to have... I'm an email guy. I want to get 100% credit for every sale, but that's just not true. But yes, direct mail, it, it makes an impact. So we have emerging technology like artificial intelligence that's changing in a big way, the way marketers think mm -hmm. and execute. How do you see that affecting the path forward with email marketing? I mean, in a in, in a big way, right? Um, it's we're obviously still at the infancy of everything, and if you were to ask a hundred email marketers what their use of AI is right now, I would guess ninety five of them would say, "Oh, you know, I got to chat GPT for some subject lines." But in reality, um, we are shifting to a world where. Like right now, I mean, we're a full service agency at Inbox Army. We do a lot of builds with full emails. I think the world's going to shift away from full emails into modules. Everything's going to be modular. And what's going to happen is that the marketers of the world are going to have to, you know, human build a bunch of, uh, basically build out a library, a content library of, okay, if we're talking about this, we talk about it this way, this type of blocks, this type of thing and then train their own AI models to learn off of that and to you know, modify and optimize and do all that stuff. So it's going to become prompt engineers and I, I call it tile creators in a sense for, for the email in terms of design, right? AI is also going to come into automations and, and uh, workflows or journeys or whatever your platform might call it. But it's going to get into there and go, what's the next best message? And then in some cases, what's the next best channel, right? If you've got SMS built in there, if you've got mobile push in there, they're going to get, it's going to get smarter and, and it's going to start doing the testing for us. I was at a conference a little bit ago where a brand presented that they had built this type of thing already. And they be through that had done 750 versions of their Black Friday messaging. Now, you know, that could be changing a word here and there, and that counts as a version. And there's always the part of me that goes, how do you know what worked? But the overall lift was like they had a marked lift over, you know, previous performance by leveraging that. So that's where we're headed. I think that that particular brand is ahead of the times. And congrats to them for being able to do it because they said, yeah, we did this in three months and 
there was an audible gasp in the room because um, you, know, you go like, wow, that's a, that's quite a lift, but that's, that's, I think where AI is, AI is going to make us faster to testing, faster to market for content. But I think it's going to have to, there's going to be that front end lift on the humans to build the content upon which the engine can learn. Cause you don't want to just have chat GPT plugged in cause it's not just your stuff. Right. And you may be pulling in content from 500 other companies that have nothing to do with you. And so there's that danger of, you know, if you go to a public type AI, AI engine, it doesn't really learn you for you. It learns you for other people. So that's the, the caveat I would put there. Yeah. I've seen a lot of fear as part of this uncertainty, what the future looks like with AI people concerned about things like job loss. Like, am I going to be even needed or replaced? And what you're saying is there's a human factor that's still going to be really, really critical, but it's probably going to require evolving skills, right? Or adaptability. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, if you, you're not going to lose your job to AI, I've heard this from, from other people, you're going to lose your job to someone who leverages AI. So that, that skill change that you mentioned, that's exactly, I mean, it's, it's a turning point, right? When the internet happened, the people that did really well during the internet boom were the people who embraced the internet boom and the people who didn't embrace the internet boom got left behind. And we're at that point now where AI is doing the same thing. Yeah. Now, the other thing that is just all around us getting a lot of attention is social media. Everybody, social media accounts, the blurring between business and personal. I mean, all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. all of this activity. How do you see the intersection of email marketing with the social media phenomenon? Uh, Wow, that's a really, you know, that's a question that it it goes back to my philosophy of nothing acts alone. Uh, But the audiences are in different spaces when they're using different channels, right? So when you're on social media, you're trying to grab attention and, you know, largely, I mean, obviously something to test within your own company, but, you know, it's largely video driven, whereas video really hasn't made an impact in email. And email is, I mean, you've got the, you've got the companies where the emails are the product, like the newsletters, things of that sort. And social really does drive you know, I think social and email work really well together when it comes to things like, you know, okay, you use social to get acquisition, now email sells them. Or you have social for new products or things of that sort, testimonials, things like that. They work really well together, right? Because presenting testimonials in email is is a pretty static um, delivery right now. Like I said, email, there is video, you can do animated GIFs, things like that, but, but video still isn't, you know, accepted universally in email, whereas video is all over social. So it's just, you have to think about the difference in mindset when you're approaching somebody looking in their email versus looking on social, but they work together. Yeah, absolutely. Now thinking about your career and your journey, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? So, and this is, you might laugh at this one, but there's, there's a few adages that 
<laughs> some of them are a bit more cynical than others. Um, but you know, one of the things that stuck with me throughout my career is um, one going back to direct mail a little bit, um, but ugly cells is something that I always come back to when people are really freaking out about maybe they're the designs imperfect. And I go, if we sent a plain text email, it might work better because ugly sells. Right. So, and I think it just releases you from that perfection mindset and that you just want to get things out that shipping, you know, perfect is the enemy of good, right? Just ship things. And so it's like ugly sells and ship things because you got to embrace failure, make mistakes, get those battle scars how many buzzword bingo, uh, you know, words can yeah. I put out here, <laughs> you know, and then, um, another one is, you know, the, the providing value is huge with everything you do solving what's in it for me. And that's, I, I keep coming back to that. And, you know, because when you look at it and go, we're not answering any questions here, what, what value are we providing? Then you, you go back and go, wait, we gotta, we gotta rethink this. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then I always say, and, and this is more of a personal thing, but I, you know, the, the whole Bill and Ted be excellent to each other and party on, like you just gotta be good to people. And I think if you're good to people, you get better service from customer service people. If you're nice, you get nicer clients, you get nicer customers. You know, I, I try to be nice to everybody. And, you know, I, it's you, the, the whole tyrant leadership thing just doesn't work anymore. So it's, it, that's always carried me through and that's less business advice and more personal pieces. But I think if you operate your business from a customer centric being nice point of view, I think you get further. Yeah, it really ties into an aspect of the servant leadership, which I talk about in my book and and which is really a recurring theme of this podcast, which is, you know, command control versus a servant mindset, which is really around how do I remove barriers? How do we empower people? And how do we bring kindness into our interactions that kindness does not equate to weakness? Kindness can be a huge source of strength. And so I think there's a lot more awakening to the benefits of what you're talking about, Scott, in terms of a different kind of approach to building authentic, trusted relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you just can't, it's too much stress, honestly, to be angry and tyrannical all the time. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I like to say I, I work hard, but I keep things light, right? You know, you just, that's how I like to operate. And I feel like you do better work when you're happy about it. Yeah. Timely advice for sure. Now, when you look to the future, what makes you optimistic? It is hard in this day and age of news media that makes money at keeping people angry, right? It's hard to look for what's the Mr. Rogers thing, look for the helpers, look for the good people, right? And so that's what keeps me optimistic is I like to approach people from a, they're generally good people. And I think that at some point, you know, we're that it's that positive mindset of just stay positive. This too shall pass. 
you know, it's that's what makes me optimistic. I think that we, you know, as humans, we approach anything new, like AI, for example, with a degree of skepticism, and that's just biological evolutionary protectionism, right? Of you're new to my village, you have to prove you're good to us before we let you in. But I think that that time frame from getting skeptical to open keeps getting shorter with every generation like the the i'm an older not old old but you know i'm not of the you know i don't think i'm gen z i guess i qualify barely as a millennial um you know it's that you know the there there's definitely conflict and there are problems but i feel like the newer generations are in a position to solve them Right or push to solve them in a way that's good for humanity. So it's that's what keeps me optimistic. Yeah, it's definitely it's an outlook on the tools and the perspective of that next generation that's going to address uh, hopefully a lot of these um, big issues that we see or opportunities, challenges, uh, however you want to phrase that. So as as we start wrapping up the conversation, Scott. Do you have any other final advice for marketing leaders that are looking to drive more sustainable growth through their marketing? First off, I mentioned it earlier, uh, remove your focus group of one um, and don't be shy about, you know, I I run into people who go, I don't want pop-ups on my site because they're annoying. And I go, but they work, right? So let, you know, Remove your focus group of one, rely on data, adopt that testing mindset and just be, have patience too, right? Of you may not learn something right away or as I've found and maybe somebody does testing a heck of a lot better than I do, but I've found in my career that about 90% of my tests that I've run are flat in terms of performance. And you get the remaining 10%, about half of them win in some respect and half of them lose in some respect. And it's always about the learning and the desired outcome. So, you know, if you're testing to beat something, obviously you look for a winner. If you're testing to replace something, and the reason I differentiate that is let's say you're doing a rebrand of you want to test into the new look, the new feel before you just flip everything over. And the idea there is to get to parity, right? You don't want, you don't necessarily need a winner. You just need it to not hurt you. So that's, I mean, you know, we, my uh, partner here has always said that the, the best email marketers are really just the best testers. And I think that that's true across any channel in terms of marketing. So just rely on data and test, test, test. And don't be shy about being out there and being in front of people because you got to grab that attention and <laughs> just get them on your email list, right? Just get them, just get them to sign up, and then you can keep marketing to them. Yeah. Now you said a word in there, patience. Now in, yes. in our world of instant gratification, Scott, that is hard, isn't it? To to <laughs> we don't want to be patient. We want we want results. We want it now. Uh, we want to move on. We want to keep doing, experiencing that, but that's hard to have that discipline of just hanging in there, right? And just staying the course a bit and giving it time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the, the best example I give is, you know, 
when you have leadership who doesn't have patience and they want you to run a te- an email test on a Tuesday in the middle of January, and then based off of that one send, they want to determine next steps for the next six months. And I, I've been in that position before where it's like, well, it didn't work. I'm like, it didn't work that day. We don't know if it would work if we did the same type of test Thursday and the same type of test for six weeks. You know, I ran uh, an SMS test for in a previous life where we were test we were sending twice a week for SMS, but we wanted to see, you know, we were looking for cost savings, right? And I said, okay, we're going to set up a six week test, or we're going to run twenty percent of the group gets it once a week, and the rest get you know, the twice a week as normal to mitigate risk. Cause of course, you know, if I run it once a week, you're going to get less sales. Imagine that ran it for six weeks. And not only was the second message, you know, your typical, okay, if you send twice, you get twice the sales. It was incrementally better to send twice a week versus just once a week. And I went, guys, we're going to have to find cost savings elsewhere because being there twice a week, works really, really well. But I wouldn't have been able to run that for a week and get a, I mean, I could have run it for a week and been like, hey, what does it look like? But then would I be able to go confidently into a long-term decision based off of, you know, two cents versus one in one week? You just can't do that. So that, you know, in terms of preaching patience, it's less about the, you know, patience with the individual one-day test. It's patience with guys, I need four to six weeks to see if this is significant. Now, if it's bombing miserably, you can pull the plug, of course, right? But I would never sit there and go, okay, it was sent once at one, let's move forward with that as the winner. It's like, that just doesn't, that doesn't happen, right? You just got lucky that one day. What a great example of just the exponential gains uh, just by holding off from rushing to judgment. Thanks for sharing that. And thank you for coming and bringing your wisdom and your experience and your passion, Scott, to inspire all of us to be able to really create breakthrough through our email marketing. Thanks again for joining today. Thanks for having me. This is great. And a reminder to everyone to please continue to give the gift of feedback to help make our podcast better. Go out, rate, and review. It's so easy to do. You can do that on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcast and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.